Hello, what's up, everybody? Welcome to my podcast, where I'm going to take a few stories from the week and talk about them, and then at the end, I'll talk about what to look forward to for the following week. I'm hoping to do this on a weekly basis. We'll see what happens, but I've always wanted to do a podcast. I I like the idea of doing curated content that isn't live, and this also gives me a chance to look further into these stories that I pick for the week and talk about them from some different angles. So let's jump right into this. The first big story I want to talk about was Trump's major announcement That's right. Trump teased a major announcement on Wednesday. He didn't say much about it. He posted a picture that showed him as a Superman-esque character, cartoon character. And he said something along the lines of, we need a hero. And so, of course, everybody started speculating. What's going on? What's the big announcement? And uh, most people lean towards something political. Is he going to announce perhaps his VP pick? Could it be somebody like the failed GOP candidate for governor in Arizona, Carrie Lake? She's been essentially camped out at Mar-a-Lago the last couple of weeks, giving speeches and attending events. Or could it be him saying, you know what? Screw the Republican Party. I'm starting a new party and going on a whole new grift. Um, I personally thought it would be that he was going back to Twitter. That seemed to be the most logical thing because Truth Social is not picking up steam. Yes, people are taking screenshots from it, putting it on Twitter and passing it around, but I'm just not hearing people say, you gotta be over on Truth Social or this happened on Truth Social. It just doesn't seem to be catching on and none of these right-wing social media alternatives will ever catch on because there's no libs to own. The liberals will not go over there and play in the mud with the conservatives, especially on a platform that's owned by Donald Trump and asking for personal information. No shot. It's not going to happen. But it looks like everybody was disappointed because Trump's big announcement 24 hours later after keeping the whole world waiting was he's selling digital trading cards. Yes, this is what maybe a few people in the world were excited about, an NFT offer from Donald Trump. $99 each, and there are 44,000 for sale. Turns out he sold out all of them, so there's a whole bunch of fools out there that decided that uh, this was worth the investment. I, I couldn't imagine why. They were nothing exciting to look at. It was Donald Trump depicted in various scenarios, everything from standing on a a, a planet in outer space to being a NASCAR driver. He claims it was from moments of his life, but uh, many of them just seemed fantastical scenarios that never happened and never will. So I don't really understand. It seemed very cheesy to me and uh, panned by everyone from far right people like Steve Bannon all the way to uh, uh, people on the left, obviously laughing at it. But uh, let's take a look real quickly at what Newsmax had to say when they announced it live on air. So uh, that is his major announcement. Many thought it would be political. Many thought it would be about maybe uh, creating a new party. I mean, there was so much speculation on this. Uh, but it's not that. It's a digital trading card. It's 99 bucks, and he said it would make a great Christmas gift. Oh, there's a bunch of them. Interesting timing for that. Yeah, there you go.
And here's Steve Bannon saying he's had enough. They're called Trump digital trading cards. Okay. These okay. cards feature some of the... I can't do this anymore. He's one of the greatest presidents in history, but I got to tell you, whoever, but business partner, and anybody in the comms team, and anybody in Mar-a-Lago, and I love the folks down there, but we're at war. Mm -hmm. They ought to be fired today. So... A huge disappointment for Donald Trump. Seems like he's just chipping away at his base here and cashing out while he can. But the bigger problem for Trump is that next time he does this, nobody's going to care. This is a bit of a chicken little. The sky's falling. And Trump completely wasting his political capital on this for his fledgling 2024 campaign. I mean, the announcement was made a month after he announced he's running for president 2024. He's had no campaign events at all. In fact, I read he hasn't even left the state of Florida since he made the big announcement a month ago. So uh, what is happening here? And, and plenty of questions of the strength, about the strength of Trump's 2024 campaign. All he's done is get into two scandals, having dinner with white supremacist Nick Fuentes and yay, that that didn't seem to go over well. And then he had another incident where he, he proudly said that the Constitution should be suspended in order to reinstate him as president. And, and these are frustrating for the GOP because, of course, the media is going to ask every single elected official uh, on the right, how do you feel about this? Do you support your leading candidate saying these things or doing these things? So he continues to be a nightmare for not only himself, but also the Republican Party as a whole. And I don't even know if people know this, but on the same day that he announced his tr digital trading cards with his major announcement, he also released the first of a policy-related uh, videos where where he's talking about what he wants to do if he's reelected. So he 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 completely blew it. He put out this this long video. It's it's uh, like seven eight minutes long that talks about going after big tech uh, for for infringing upon free speech or whatever. But nobody even knows it exists because it was completely overshadowed by this uh, NFT announcement. In addition, all users over the age of 18 should have the right to opt out of content moderation and curation entirely and receive an unmanipulated stream of information if they so choose. And, and you add on top of this that Trump has been lagging in the polls that are coming out for GOP candidates. He, he's behind Ron DeSantis by double digits in some of these polls. And you have to wonder, where does this end for Mr. Trump? It, it doesn't look good. And he, here's my big thought on it. When Donald Trump loses the GOP nomination, because all signs point to him doing so, is he going to go quietly into the night? Do you think Donald Trump is going to support who the nominee is and say, okay, I lost fair and square and we should all get behind this guy? No shot. Trump is going to claim it was stolen and he's going to attack the GOP nominee and that is going to be a disaster for them. Now, I'm not complaining. I'm a Democrat. I'm on the left. So this is all wonderful news for me. But I, it's just amazing to watch. And, and this problem's not going anywhere. Nowhere. So there you go. Trump's major announcement. What a epic disaster that nobody thinks is a good idea. And what, Trump made $4.4 million in the end before taxes and paying the percentage he owes to whomever his business partners were? What's the point? 
And and the fine print on the website said that none of this money goes towards his campaign. So it, it's just a personal business venture. So strange. Uh, it to me it just shows absolute desperation, and Trump is is near the end of his relevancy, and uh, it's it's uh, quite amazing to watch it all unfold. But we'll we'll keep an eye on Trump 2024 and see what happens. Okay, story number two, Elon Musk banning reporters on Twitter. This is wild. So the week started out with Elon banning an account called Elon Jet on Twitter and the owner's personal account, kid named Jack Sweeney, 20 years old, who created this account that tracks where Elon's jet is. He's using publicly available data and simply letting people know where Elon is. He does it for Russian oligarchs. I think he has an account for Putin. And, and all these accounts were shut down by Elon this week, even though not too long ago, Elon praised himself for allowing all his critics to remain on the platform, including this account that he cited, yet he somehow switched. And he claims things changed when a car carrying his two-year-old child was stalked by an individual, and, and this person even got in front of the car and jumped on the hood. Why? I don't know. But there was no police report filed associated with this, so we just have to take Elon at his word. So... According to Elon, this requires the rules to be changed, that if you reveal someone's location in real time, you will be banned from the platform. A very subjective rule, because what happens if you live stream on, on Twitter? What happens if you put up a video or a tweet that somebody's here or there just at an event or whatever? I mean, you, this is, seems like a nightmare to enforce this rule. That being said, Elon said that this was basically assassination coordinates. He, he's obsessed that somebody's trying to kill him or something. I, I think the man needs help. This, this is a main character syndrome here. I, don't, I highly doubt anybody is going to throw their life away to assassinate Elon Musk, the business owner. But it, things escalated on Thursday the day after he banned this Elon Jet account and the and the personal account associated with it, he bans nine journalists. These are reporters associated with major news orgs like Washington Post, the New York Times. And at first, he doesn't even say why. But after a bit, he admits he did it because they have articles that they linked that are on the Elon Jet account. And so he was saying, well, you're participating in doxing me, so now you get banned. That, that's pretty wild. Uh, sadly, people on the right jumped for joy when he did this, saying, ha ha ha, eye for an eye, how do you guys like it? Completely abandoning their principles that they were upset about the Hunter Biden laptop story being censored by Twitter in 2020. And right-wing figures being shadow banned or whatever, they, they completely threw that to the wind in order to celebrate people on the left being banned, right? I mean, these, these people have no principles at all. It's hilarious. And Elon says, okay, I'm going to put it to the people. He puts a poll up that says, should I unban now? And it turns out everybody said unban now. He didn't like the results. So he put up another poll and he gave it 24 hours. Now, before that, that poll concluded, which spoiler alert, Unbanned now won by 17%. Shocker, now that all the bots are gone on the platform and real people are speaking, they 
gave Elon a big fat L on that one. He joined a Twitter Spaces chat and where where some of the band, at least one of the band reporters, was having conversation with some other individuals. And I, I guess you could join Twitter Spaces. There was a bug. Like if your account is suspended on Twitter, you could still join a Twitter Spaces. I've never joined a Twitter Spaces. I don't know if I will anytime soon. But this reporter was in there talking and Elon decided to join for four short minutes and simply double down on his amazing talking point that if you dox, you get suspended and then he rage quit. Using the same exact link blocking technique that you have criticized as part of the Hunter Biden, New York Post story in 2020. So what is different yeah. here and there? It's no, more acceptable for me. It's, it's no more acceptable for me, for you than it is for me. Same thing. So anyway. I, so it's unacceptable what you're doing? No, what, you, you, you dox, you get suspended, end of story, that's it. Elon, I have to ask, I mean, I think what everyone's wondering is that it's highly unusual for journalists at the Washington Post and the New York Times to be, have their Twitter accounts suspended. And it just so happens that it's, you know, the, the, the boss in charge, you know. Uh, so, you know, what's the deal there? Oh, I think... I think Elon has uh, has left. And then he broke Twitter spaces after that because it, it went down for like 24 hours. Now, what did this accomplish? These people were unsus unsuspended. Most of them were. I think two of them are still suspended for who knows what reason. I, I guess they were very bad compared to the bad actors. They, these ones were very naughty. So they deserve to be banned for a little longer, which is laughable. What, what did this accomplish? All it did was raise the profile of these reporters. It, it gave them a ton of more followers. It made Elon look like a child who has rules that he can bend at his whim. And it, it causes problems, not only for Twitter and you know retaining advertisers and, and getting people to come participate, but it also affects Elon's other companies like Tesla. Tesla's stock price has fallen 60% this year and it's currently at its lowest value since November, 2020. And now you have some of the shareholders complaining like the third largest shareholder is calling for a new CEO and activist investors could buy up stock and demand changes. And, and this is what I think finally causes some action here and, and forces Elon to step back in from his leadership position, which he said all along that he's looking, he will not run the company at this level and he'll allow someone else to do so at some point. And I think this is going to speed that up because it's, it's just costing not only Twitter, but other companies. But more importantly, the story shows you the extremism problem the GOP has that is not going to go away before the 2024 elections. And I say this is associated with that because Elon Musk is firmly on the right. He has encouraged people to vote for Republicans before the midterms, even though comically he didn't vote himself in an important congressional race, uh, his congressional district where he's registered in Texas, the 34th congressional district, ended up uh, having the Republican lose to a Democrat. So he didn't even, he didn't walk the walk, he just talked the talk telling other people to vote and then he doesn't do so himself, lol. 
But he's also said that his pronouns are prosecute Fauci and that Fauci's responsible for gain, funding gain-of-function research that led to COVID being developed and killing millions of people. So he's, he's fully on board with the conspiracy theories out there and right-wing talking points. So he's a right-wing problem now, which is a GOP problem in 2024. And they already had their hands full with Donald Trump being the lead candidate in 2024 and 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 do i even have to get into what he, what he brings to the table with their problems i mean he has cost them three major elections in a row 2018 2020 and now 2022 where his endorsed candidates were too extreme in the general and end up costing easy races like the senate georgia race or governorship in arizona where we now control the top three statewide seats in arizona governor secretary of state and Attorney General. And we have both Senate seats. I, I think it's the first time since the early 70s that Democrats have controlled all these seats. It's, it's incredible. And of course, Donald Trump's at the top of the ticket now. I don't think he can win the GOP primary. And I, like I said in the first story, I don't think he goes quietly into the night. He's, he's going to claim he was cheated and, and scream and cry foul for the entire general. You think he's going to get in line and support the nominee? No shot. So Add this to the pile of problems for the GOP going into 2024. Donald Trump problem. They have extreme MAGA candidates problem because those guys are going to win the primaries. Well, you think the moderate candidates are somehow going to defeat these extremists in the primary? No way. And if you think Ron DeSantis is the GOP's winner as some sort of moderate alternative, this guy is MAGA light, if not pure MAGA. He, he, just this week, he introduced an anti-COVID panel or some group that's going to push back on CDC recommendations for uh, COVID. And I think people are exhausted about COVID. They don't want to relitigate it. They don't want to revisit it. So it's just a losing strategy. But if anybody can defeat Trump, it's going to be this guy. So they've got a lot of problems, the GOP going into 2024. And I just thought this Twitter story was emblematic of a new one and keep an eye on what Elon does here over the next couple of months should be interesting. Okay, let's end these stories on a positive note. Story number three is Biden signing the Respect for Marriage Act. This is a nice positive story, a step in the right direction for our nation. The poor LGBT community has just been dragged through the mud for the last couple of years by the right. They have been called groomers. They're, they have been attacked for putting on drag shows. They have been reamed for talking to children about different sorts of familial relationships like two dads. It's just outrageous. And uh, it's, it's simply being done to gain political power and fear monger, which is really sad. Uh, but this bill, the Respect for Marriage Act, was was nice. It basically codified part of Obergefell versus Hodges that prohibits states from not recognizing out-of-state marriages based on sex, race, or ethnicity. And it, it showed a divide between the, the left and the right. And it was uh, brilliantly done, uh, I would say, politically by Chuck Schumer and, and Pelosi by putting this up during the lame duck session. I mean, what can you get done right now between... 
the election and the new Congress getting sworn in. Really hard to get anything done. People are kind of on vacation mode and they're on the way out. But this was important enough that the Democrats were able to rally some Republicans behind it and, and get it passed. And I think that shows strength for the Democrats that 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 when Republicans are talking about investigating Hunter Biden's laptop come the new year and all sorts of nonsense, Democrats are focused on issues that matter, like ensuring rights for the LGBT community. And they ended up getting 39 GOP House members and 12 senators. I mean, it's crazy that they couldn't get more for an issue like this, but it just shows you how far behind the times the GOP are. And they'll continue to lose elections, as I've talked about in the first two stories, and now in the third one with this extremism. And that's why I say it was a brilliant move by the Dems, because it, it, it put that extremism on display in another area. Now, the way they went over some people on the right was by putting in a section about religious freedom. And the religious freedom portion basically allows churches, nonprofits, and schools who are focused on religion to not recognize or provide services for marriages they don't like. So they're free to hate all they want in their in their little organization, which is so sad that that's what they want. And, and one day they will realize the error in their ways, uh, and probably not too far in the future honestly but this is the side they want to be on and and uh it was important to put this in there to to make them feel better so it is what it is in fact senator loomis uh from wyoming the junior senate junior senator from wyoming who came in on the 2020 election uh riding the donald trump ticket uh, this is a state, Wyoming, that voted for Trump by the most, almost 70 percent in 2020. And she ended up voting for this. And she had an interesting explanation why. Here, listen to this. Many of us ask ourselves, our nation is so divided. When will this end and how will it end? Just as when our nation was founded, when the new world tore itself from the old, People of diverse faiths, beliefs, and backgrounds had to come to terms with each other, had to tolerate the seemingly intolerable about each other's views, and had to respect each other's rights even before the Constitution enumerated those rights. They had to tolerate each other in order to survive as a nation. Somehow, most certainly with divine guidance, they did. For the sake of our nation today and its survival, we do well by taking this step, not embracing or validating each other's devoutly held views, but by the simple act of tolerating them. And that, Madam President, explains my vote. Look, I can understand where she's coming from, and I appreciate that there's this focus on tolerance and compromise. And moving forward, we do need to be bipartisan. I'm not saying we need to entertain the ideas of bigots and incorporate them, but I am saying that uh, some people aren't there yet. And if they want to do things in their little corner the way they want to do them that are not the government and... Um, then so be it. What can we do? You know, it, 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 I'd rather have this protection for same-sex marriage and allow for their religious freedom 
to hate in their own way than to not have the protection. So it is what it is. But uh, Biden had a had a great uh, celebration with like 5,000 people in front of the White House. And there were some musical performances by people like Sam Smith. So here's a little taste of that. Biden also gave a great speech. Let me show you a little portion of the speech because I, I really think he knocked it out of the park. And like I said, we need some positivity with the LG, for, for the LGBT community. And we need our president to lead the charge and set the example. So I was really happy to see this uh, this this outpouring of support. And, and Biden was made for this stuff. So here, listen to this little part from Biden from his speech. Marriage, I mean this involved my heart. Marriage is a simple proposition. Who do you love? And will you be loyal to that person you love? It's not more complicated than that. The law recognizes that everyone should have the right to answer those questions for themselves without the government interference. Finally, I want to touch on an interesting argument I heard from some LGBT activists on the radio. I don't remember what show, but there was this idea that perhaps we shouldn't allow this much attention on marriage because marriage isn't exactly the most popular thing nowadays. A lot of people still get involved in in a one-on-one -on -one relationship and have a family, whether the same sex or uh, different sex, whatever it may be. But there is a concern. Uh, it, this argument presents a concern that there's so much focus on same-sex marriage that other LGBT issues are not getting enough attention. For for example, the AIDS crisis, you know, that's not gone. Uh, look at the whole like monkeypox situation that happened just a few months ago. Isn't it interesting how that's disappeared from everyone's minds? But Perhaps by focusing so much on marriage, it, it takes away energy from other issues that are important to the LGBT community. LGBT community. So I, I don't have a position on it one way or the other, but I, I found that kind of interesting to hear. And, you know, because people only have so much bandwidth and so much so much attention to to focus on issues that you really want to try to get the most bang for your buck. And, and I understand the issue of focusing on marriage. It, it is a, a core issue that that bleeds over into a lot of other areas. So it, it, it's great that they're working on it as well. So. There you go. There's a couple of stories I wanted to focus on this week. I, I hope you guys enjoyed that. Now, let's talk about what's coming up next week because this is interesting too. So first thing I'll talk about is Title 42, which is the CDC's rule developed under the Trump administration that turns away almost everybody at our southern border because of a national health emergency, the pandemic. That's going to be lifted on next Wednesday, December 21st, this coming up Wednesday. And that's per a judge's order. Um, the Biden administration w was uh, arguing that they they should lift it because they don't have the justification for it anymore. And we should be honoring our asylum laws. Now, the timing is unfortunate because we have a surge of humanity at the southern border, especially from countries that we don't have the greatest diplomatic relationships with, like Venezuela or Nicaragua or Cuba. These these individuals are are flooding our southern border, and it, it's not single men; it's families that are desperate for uh, a chance to make an honest day's pay and take care of their family. And a lot of these people have valid 
asylum cases. And so once Title 42 is lifted, then uh, people are concerned that the number of migrants at the southern border could even double. And these these local communities are being overwhelmed at the border. And so there is a crisis down there. And, and don't let the GOP fool you that Biden says there's no problem. Biden doesn't say hasn't said anything like that. Biden's aware that there's a huge issue down there, but we need uh, Congress to change the rules and, and help us out with, with um, the resources to handle these cases and hear these people's pleas and help the countries that they're coming from so we can stop the flow of humanity. I mean, we would love to take care of all these people if we could, but it, it, nobody could handle such a surge of people to uh, provide them with the services they need. So there are solutions to this. And the GOP is playing games by saying they want to impeach Mayorkas, the DHS secretary, Alejandro Mayorkas. They, they had a whole press conference on it because they say he's failing and he hasn't secured the border. Well, where are your solutions? Show us what you want to do. Like, And the border is not unsecure. They, they point to record number of seizures of fentanyl and capturing people that are entering the country well that sounds like we're succeeding if we're 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 doing all that you know what i mean so let's see what happens the case is being um the case uh, uh there was a case that uh i think 11 republican states or 19 or something sued to keep title 42 and a, a federal appeals court rejected that this week that's what's leading to the title 42 being lifted on wednesday but they said they are going to appeal to the supreme court so in the end the supreme court might say you've got to keep title 42 and and COVID is starting to ramp up again along with other uh, flu and and diseases right now so uh, I could see the Supreme Court upholding Title 42, and, and it's kind of a lifeline for the Biden administration. They can say, well, look, we have to keep using it, turning away people per the courts. But we'll see. Another thing to keep an eye out for is the January 6th Select Committee. They're going to have their last public meeting on Monday where they're going to vote on recommending charges for people involved with the plot. Uh, that's there's at least two charges for Trump that they're debating obstruction of an official proceeding of Congress and conspiracy to defraud the United States of America. Uh, they could also charge for insurrection. I mean, th this would be wild if they recommended these charges. Uh, they don't hold any weight. Uh, they don't hold any legal weight. They're just kind of a recommendation to the Department of Justice or other entities in the federal government to bring charges. Um, but it would be a big deal if they did that. And they could also recommend charges for big players like Mark Meadows, who was Donald Trump's final chief of staff and has refused to testify, as far as I know. Or, and John Eastman, who was a lawyer in charge of the false elector scheme that Trump was working on. So keep an eye out for that. And also the final report of the January 6th Select Committee is going to, could be released on Monday. And then on Wednesday, they could release appendices, appendices and uh, transcripts of over a thousand witness interviews. Uh, so a lot of, uh, could be a lot of shocking revelations come next week with the January 6th Committee, because obviously it's going to get shut down when the Republicans take over on January 3rd. Finally, uh, one last thing to keep an eye out for next week is the omnibus spending bill. I know it doesn't sound exciting, but this is the keeping our federal government open. The outgoing GOP 
Congress doesn't have any faith in Kevin McCarthy, who will probably be the Speaker of the House come January 3rd. They have no faith in him to be able to pass a budget next spring, which is what he has been asking for and some other uh, GOP members like Senator Mike Lee. So they passed this week a one-week extension of government funding. It was scheduled to run out Friday at midnight. And uh, next week, by Thursday, they, they, they're going to pass, uh, right before Christmas, uh, hopefully, a bill for fiscal year 2023, which will take us through September of next year. And, and hopefully things calm down by then and the, the GOP can work with with the Democrats to keep the government funded at that time. If they don't, it's just going to add it to the pile of extreme GOP stuff that is going to cost them elections in 2024. And it also speaks to the weakness of Kevin McCarthy being the next speaker. I mean, is, there's five, at least five what are called never Kevins. These are people led by like Matt Gates, who said they'll never vote for Kevin McCarthy. He's too moderate. And um, so Kevin McCarthy is going to have to cut deals with these people. He already did with Marjorie Taylor Greene and has her whipping votes on his behalf. Who knows what he gave her to do that. Um, but in order to win over these couple of uh, votes, because he can only spare four votes, the GOP is going to have 222 to 218 seats. So they need 218 to become speaker. He, he needs 218 votes to become speaker. And no Democrats are going to vote for him. And the Democrats have no interest in working with the GOP to elect a more moderate person or something like that. Uh, Kevin McCarthy is the moderate choice for the GOP, and he's not even that moderate anyways. He's pretty extreme. So he's going to have a hell of a time governing his caucus, and, and the first challenge will be to become speaker. But it's it, it doesn't look great for him, but the only thing working to his favor is there's no alternative. The only person who's offered their name is Andy Biggs, who is a Freedom Caucus extremist, and, and he has no shot of winning. Uh, in my opinion, the moderates are really strong in the GOP's caucus, people you've never heard of, because they're the reason why the GOP controls the House, right? It, it happened because swing districts were flipped, not because Marjorie Taylor Greene held on to her seat or something. That's ridiculous. So it's it's going to be fascinating to see what happens in a couple weeks when with the speakership. But for next week, it's all about passing a, a bill to keep the government funded through the end of September, which is the uh, October 1st is when the fiscal year starts, the next fiscal year starts. So keep an eye out for that. And that's it, guys. Hey, listen, thanks for making it all the way through my first podcast. I'm hoping to do this now that I'm going full time. Make sure you come by my Twitch stream, twitch.tv slash I'm really important or come by YouTube where I'm putting up highlights from the stream. And there's an active community in the comments section. Uh, same name over on YouTube. I'm really important. Like I said, I'm hoping to do this on a weekly basis now that I'm full-time or going full-time at the beginning of the year. So I, um, I'm i excited. I like doing curated content. I like having to uh, take a step back and do some more research and get collect my thoughts and put something together like this. So it's only going to get better with time. Appreciate you guys listening to this one. Make sure you subscribe on whatever platform you're on, whether it's Spotify or Apple Podcasts, whatever it's called. I don't know. I'll see you guys on the next episode. Have a good one. Stay